الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا مولانا رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن والاه اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد الفاتح لما أغلق والخاتم لما سبق ناصر الحق بالحق والهادي إلى صراطك المستقيم وعلى آله حق قدره ومقداره العظيم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته I welcome all of you once again to our uh, lessons in the Qasida al-Burda of Al-Imam al-Busayri and in reality these are lessons in the seerah uh, of the Prophet وسلم, as well as lessons in spirituality in, uh, in, in, in how to strengthen our Iman so Alhamdulillah it's not just a poem that we are studying but it is uh, the entire uh, concept of the love of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that we're trying to understand through this poem. Uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in a hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari that لا يؤمن وحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس أجمعين None of you uh, will have Iman, complete Iman or none of you will complete his Iman. None of you uh, will complete his Iman until he loves me more than he loves his parents and more than he loves his children and more than he loves anyone else. So none of us uh, can complete our Iman until we love the Prophet Wasallam more than we love our parents, our children, our siblings, our spouses, more than we love anyone else, our sheikhs, whoever it is. So... Uh, now, who did the Prophet ﷺ address this to? He said this to his Sahaba, the greatest people in the Ummah, uh, the best Muslims. He said it to them. Uh, these were people who had done uh, all the prayers on time in the best of manners. These are people who gave zakah, hajj, psalm. These are people who made jihad. Uh, these are people who sacrificed their homes, their lives, their wives, their, their wealths. These were people who made hijrah. Uh, these were people who basically did everything that's there to be done in Islam. Yet, the Prophet ﷺ tells them that none of you will complete his iman despite all of these actions, despite all of these good things that you guys do. Your iman will not be complete until you love me. And not just love me, just, uh, just love me. Until you love me more than you love anyone else and to make it very clear that he really means anyone else he said more than you love your parents i mean more than you love your mom more than you love your dad and more than you love your children more than you love your son your daughter and all other people until you don't love me more than everyone else your iman is not complete all the salah the saum the hajj the zakah the hijrah the jihad the sadaqah the zikr the tilaw all these actions will not complete your iman until you have love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it has to be a love that is uh, an unquantifiable, unconditional love. Because uh, the love that you have for your parents or the love for you have for your children, it's irrational. It's an irrational love. It's an illogical love. It's uh, a crazy type of love. So the love for the Prophet ﷺ also has to be an irrational love. It has to be a crazy 
love, right? Uh, the love you have for your mother, for example, it's uh, there's no limitation on it. There's no conditions on it. It's crazy, you know. It's it beyond. Uh, you will do crazy things. The love you have for your children, it's it's crazy. You you'll do crazy things for your children. People do that, right? Uh, they'll put their own life in danger for their parent or for their child, right? It's irrational, right? It, it's beyond logic. Now, you have to love the Prophet even more than that. So I'm saying this because we live in a time where people, uh, you often hear some people, some people say that, uh, well, we, you know, we should love the Prophet but not too much, not too much. Or we should love the Prophet but in a, in a rational way, in a logical way. Don't go overboard in his love. Uh, don't go crazy in his love. But that's exactly what we're supposed to do. How do you love him more than your mother and your father and your son and your daughter? And then uh, it cannot be the, a crazy love. So uh, we start tonight's session by the, reminding everyone of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, hadith in Bukhari. The Prophet said to his Sahaba, none of you will complete his Iman until he loves me more than he loves his parents and his children and anyone else. So therefore, uh, the love that we see in Imam al-Busayr is Burda. That is a reflection of that type of love that we should all have for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Love is the essence of Iman. Allah says in the Quran, if you, the Quran says, if you love Allah, then follow the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi So, And those who believe have more love for Allah. So the concept of love is very important in Islam. Uh, nowadays, we have people who uh, undermine the concept of love. I've even heard people say that uh, this thing about love, 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 that's a very Christian concept. In Islam, we just obey the Prophet. We follow the Prophet Islam is all about following the Prophet This thing of love, 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 uh, that's a Christian thing. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. I mean, that's the, the most ignorant thing to say. Uh, the concept of love is found throughout the Holy Quran and Ahadith and the seerah of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Uh, but uh, I agree that Islam emphasizes to follow the Prophet But wait, that following of the Prophet must be based on love for him. You follow him because you love him. But if you are following the Prophet ﷺ without love, uh, you don't have love for him. You don't follow him out of love for him. You just follow him because of commands. Oh, Allah ordered me to follow him, so that's why I follow him. Or uh, if I, 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 I follow him because I want to go to Jannah or I want to save myself from Jahannam. If I don't follow the Prophet, Allah will punish me. If your motivation in following the Prophet ﷺ is just fear, of punishment or desire for some uh, benefits, then that's not the type of following he wants. That's not the type of following he wants. Uh, we should follow him because we love him. And the love should be the basis of it, uh, of it all. Allah says, and those who feed the poor out of the love of Allah. So the love of Allah and the love of the Prophet are the basis of our faith. and even with our children, uh, before we teach them to follow the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we should teach them to love the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Put the love in their hearts. 
Because if you put the love in the hearts, even if they go far away from the deen at whatever stage in their life, the love will pull them back. The love will pull them back. They, they will come back because they have the love of Allah and His Rasul in the hearts. So our studying of this Burda is part of cultivating that love. And uh, whether we study the Burda, we sing the Burda, it's all about the love. So we, 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 we uh, finished the first chapter of the Burda uh, last night. It's 10 chapters. Uh, tonight we go into the second chapter. The second chapter is Tahzir min hawan nafs. The warning from the whims and the fancies of the nafs. So the second chapter is about fighting the nafs. Now here a question arises that uh, if the poem is about loving the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? Uh, and the first chapter was all about that love, uh, as you everybody heard it. If you didn't hear it, then please watch it. You know that it's all uh, our recordings are uploaded on YouTube on the Hamim channel, so you can watch all of this the, the, the recordings. But the first chapter is about the love. So how come the second chapter is about fighting the nafs? The reason Dolama mentioned is because Imam al-Busayri wants to tell us that tell us two things that you cannot uh, claim to love the Prophet if you are still a slave of your nafs, if you still follow your nafs. You cannot follow the Prophet and follow the nafs. So the war against the nafs is directly connected to the loving of the Prophet You cannot follow him and then love uh, follow the nafs and love the nafs as well and secondly that following the desires of the nafs is the greatest barrier between you and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so the, there is rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his way his sunnah and uh, then you have the nafs which stops you from following that so in other words if you really want to be his follower and really want to be on his path which is what love requires of you, you have to follow, fight the nafs. You got to fight the nafs. You got to uh, wage war against the nafs. So what is the nafs? Literally, the nafs means the self. Uh, but the nafs in our Islamic context refers to the lower self. And the concept in Islam of, uh, in our spirituality of, the qalb, which is the heart, and the nafs. Our Sheikh uh, Sidi Ahmed Tijani anh, was asked about it, and he said that the nafs and the heart is the same thing, the qalb. So how he explained it was that the human being's inner self has a lower, uh, has a higher aspect to it and a lower aspect. The higher aspect of your inner self, your being, is the qalb, which is the heart which is the center of all good things, right? Your, your heart is guided, your heart is on the straight path. And the lower aspect of our being is the nafs. Our inner being is the nafs, which is the center of all the bad things. So if we cultivate our heart, uh, then, you know, we become uh, uh, the people of, of, of the heart, 
Arbabul Kulub, or as in Persian they say Ahle Dil, the people of the heart. They follow their heart, and their heart is always on the straight path. The Prophet said, if people give you a lot of opinions on something, is this right, is this wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, he said, ask your heart. Ask your heart. If your heart says this is right, then alhamdulillah, then, then you can be content. If your heart says, even if everybody says it's okay, but if your heart says this is wrong, then don't. So the heart is the higher element in us and the nafs is the lower element. And fight your nafs. Follow your heart, but fight your nafs. So we need to uh, understand this properly. We shouldn't mix the two up. So they are both the one and the same thing which is our inner being. If we follow Allah's commands and do the right things, then we are the heart. If we do the wrong things, we are the nafs. So Imam al-Busayri then starts uh, the, the, the chapter by saying, so he says, now he is attacking his nafs. So he says, He says, indeed, my nafs, which he calls the Ammara, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran, he calls uh, the nafs, that indeed your nafs is constantly ordering you to do wrong. Your nafs is not just ordering you to do wrong. Amira. No, it is Ammara. Your nafs is constantly ordering you to do wrong. So he says, indeed, my Ammara, my, my nafs that's always, you know, telling me to do wrong. That's called nafsul Ammara. My nafsul Ammara, he said, uh, unfortunately, does not heed to the advice. He said, did not heed to the advice. In its ignorance, does not even heed to the advice of two warnings. He says that there are two warnings that came to my nafs. But my nafs is not ready to listen to it. You know, it's not even listening to those uh, two warnings. What are those two warnings Imam al-Busayri is talking about here? The nazir is shaybi wal harami. My gray hair and my old age. So he says that my gray hair, my white hair, when you become old, by that time he wrote this poem, he was old. So he had gray hair. So he said, my gray hair and my old age, when I look at my body, and my wrinkles, my, my bones are weak. He says, these are warnings that have come to my nafs to tell me to stop following the nafs. But unfortunately, I don't, I'm not. He's blaming himself. It's a nafsul lawama. And it's good to blame yourself. Always blame yourself. He says, but I still don't want to come right. I I, I don't seem to find, uh, you know, the straight path. So he's blaming himself. And that's part of his humility. Sayyidina Umar al-Farooq, he would actually pay a man, he would literally pay a man to come and remind him of death every day. So this guy, his job was to walk in by Sayyidina Umar. Assalamu alaikum ya Umar. Al-Maut ya Umar. Al-Maut ya Umar. Al-Maut ya Umar. All he had to do was walk in by Sayyidina Umar. 
greet him during his khilafah when he was khalifa and remind him of death. Oh, death to Umar, death to Umar, death to Umar. Can we imagine the Sahaba, these people, the Salaf al-Saleh, they would actually pay somebody to remind them of death. Subhanallah. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, kafa bil mawti wa'iza, that uh, death is uh, sufficient preacher for anyone. Death is a sufficient preacher for anyone. You don't need to listen to hundreds of khutbahs and lectures on YouTube and WhatsApp and in the masjid. Just death. If you really think about your death, that is a sufficient preacher for you. These are the words of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Kafa bil mawti wa'iza. For wa'iz. So Sayyidina Umar is to pay this man. But one day, when the man came, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu an gave him the payment and said, Brother, from tomorrow onwards, uh, don't come back. I, I don't, you know, our, our deal is done now. I don't need you to come from tomorrow. So the man was curious. He said, uh, why, ya Umar? Why don't you want me to see me from tomorrow? You, uh, you not need to be reminded of death anymore. So he said, no, I still need to be reminded of death, but I don't need you to remind me. Because now, when I look into the mirror every morning, when I look into the mirror every morning, when I see my gray hair, uh, when I see the wrinkles on my skin, when I see the weakness of my bones, uh, the droopiness of my eyes, that is sufficient to remind me of death. That sufficiently reminds me of death. So uh, I don't need you to remind me. Every time I look into the mirror, and I, I, that's a reminder of death for me, that I have become an old man. So uh, the point is, Imam Busiri says that I have these warnings about death coming to me, but I'm still not heeding to them. So he's explained the condition of many people. Unfortunately, uh, we, we sometimes even have people who are old, and they still like don't heed to Allah and his Prophet Sallallahu they still continue doing the wrong actions. Uh, usually when people become old, they become more pious, but there are sometimes people who don't. Uh, and uh, the Prophet Sallallahu warned that the person who will get the most punished from the people who will get the harshest punishment on the day of Qiyamah is an old man who commits zina. Is an old man who goes out and, and commits fornication, adultery, and, and these wrong things. Because he's an old man, he's supposed to make tawbah right now at this age. He's so near to death. And he's still going out and doing haram things. He still doesn't make salat. He still doesn't fast. He still doesn't give zakah. So old age is a warning for all of us. Then he says, And he says that, a beautiful example. He says, uh, And my nafs has not even prepared uh, a feast of good deeds for a guest that is standing next to my head already, reluctantly. He says that there is a guest, to explain this line now, he says that there is a guest that's standing already by my door, by my head, uh, openly and, and without any shyness. That guest is already there without any shame. He's already standing by my head, that guest. And I haven't even prepared any feast or any hosting for him. Qira in Arabic means when a guest is coming to your house and you prepare something for the guest, right? You know, your biscuits, your tea, your food. That's called Qira in Arabic. So he says, uh, the bait, the guest is already by my head. 
you know, he's already by the door and I haven't prepared anything for the guest. Now, who is the guest he's talking about and what is he going to prepare? So he says, Min al-fa'l I haven't prepared any feast of good deeds, not feast of uh, food, but feast of good deeds. I haven't prepared my feast of good deeds for a guest that is already by my head. That's so near already. So who is this guest? Obviously, it is mouth. He's referring to death. In other words, death is right here by my head already. It is so near to me and I haven't, not, I haven't even prepared anything for it. I haven't prepared the feast for it. And the spe of course, for, for death, the feast you're going to prepare is of good deeds. And this reminds me of a saying of Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq al-Akbar He says, Sayyidina Abu Bakr says, people wake up uh, in the morning uh, amongst their family and they don't realize that death is nearer to them than the strap of their sandal. And in fact, there is a hadith of the Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he says that uh, death is closer to each one of you than the strap of your sandal. Now you wear a sandal and you got a strap on it, right? How close is the strap to you? It's right there by your foot. It's, it's touching you. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said that death is closer to you than that. So Imam al-Busari says the guest is already by my head and I haven't prepared anything from good deeds. He says, لَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ أَنِّي مَا أُوَقِّرُهُ كَتَمْتُ سِرًّا بَدَعْلِي مِنْهُ بِالْكَتَمِي He says, had I known that I would not be able to honor this guest, had I known that when the guest comes to me, the mouth, the malakul mouth, I won't be able to honor him with any good deeds or anything, I would have uh, tried to save myself by dyeing my hair. بِالْكَتَمِي Katam means, uh, it's a type of dye, henna that uh, you use to, to darken your hair. When your hair is gray, you put the henna on your hair to make it look black. So uh, he said, uh, this is poetry, uh, and he's trying to, to explain to us that nobody can run away from death. He said, if I knew that I would not be ready for this, this guest, uh, I would have hidden my, my, my old age. I would have covered my beard with black uh, so that he doesn't recognize me. Uh, of course, uh, this is just, uh, you know, he's speaking in, in a rhetoric sense, in a hypothetical sense. What he's really trying to say is that nobody can run away from death. The death can come to you anytime, unexpected. Uh, nobody is told when their death is coming to them. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Holy Quran that when the hour of your death comes, it will not be delayed by a moment, nor will it be uh, brought forward by a moment. So the message of Imam al-Busari is be ready for your mouth at all times. Be ready for your mouth at all times. And uh, if we ask, we asked our ulama, uh, our shuyukh, how can we be ready for mouth at all times? How do I make myself ready for death at all times? What should I do? So they said that there are two things, the rights of Allah and the rights of people. Uh, the most important thing when it comes to the rights of Allah is your salah, is your salah. So make sure your salah is up to date. Make sure that your namaz, your prayer, is it's up to date so that you don't die and you owe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prayers. 
don't die, you know, at Maghrib and you have not made your Asr. Don't die at Fajr, but you did not make Isha. You slept without making Isha. Uh, don't die at Zuhur and you did not make your Fajr. Right? So make sure that you have prayed so that when you die, you know your prayer is done. And that can only happen if you try to make our prayer on time. Then, you know, we, we know that, uh, Alhamdulillah, if I die now after uh, Zuhur, uh, between Zuhur and Asr, Alhamdulillah, my Zuhur is done. So I meet Allah. I have done the prayer. That's with regards to the right of Allah. With regards to the right of people, uh, don't owe anybody money. Simple as that. It's as, as, as simple as that. Don't owe anybody money. Uh, if you die in that condition, uh, that's not a good condition to die in. Our Prophet wasallam would refuse to perform the janazah salah of anybody who owed other people money. And didn't pay them back. Took their money but didn't pay them back. He one day uh, wanted to make the zanaz of someone. And then a man stood up. He said, Ya Rasulullah, but this man owed me money. He didn't pay me back. So the Prophet ﷺ refused to perform the janazah salah of that man. And he told the Sahaba, Bismillah, you guys go ahead and make the janazah. He's still a Muslim. You still have to make janazah for him. But I will not make the janazah. So the Sahaba, they felt very bad about that. Uh, you know, uh, for their brother, that he will be deprived of the dua of, of the Habib al-Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa So they came together, they asked that man, brother, how much money did he owe you? He said, he owed me so much and so much. So the Sahaba, they came together among themselves with the family of the deceased and they collected that amount of money and they paid off the guy and they said, are you happy? He said, alhamdulillah, I'm happy. That's, that's what he owed me. Then they went to the Prophet وسلم, and said, Ya Rasulullah, uh, the man is happy. Can you now perform the janazah? So then the Prophet وسلم, came and performed the janazah. So can you see the connection to death here? So don't owe people money. Uh, if you owe people money, try to sort it out as soon as you can. Try to sort it out as soon as you can. We understand sometimes people are poor. Sometimes... Maybe you don't have the full amount to pay somebody back or you're trying, but hasten in that. Unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of us, we don't hasten in that. We don't care about that. It's, it's not a priority in our life. I owe somebody money. Uh, inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. Let him wait. Let him wait. Meanwhile, I'm going on holidays. I'm buying a new car. I'm buying a new TV. I'm buying a new phone. I'm doing all these things. And I'm going out to expensive restaurants, but I cannot pay back. I'm, made, I'm, I'm making that brother wait and wait and wait and wait and suffer. So uh, that is unacceptable. Imam al-Busiri says, be ready for your mouth. And we have asked our shuyukh, how can we be ready for your, our mouth? Like in a simple way. And they said, son, two things. Make sure your salahs have been done. And make sure you have paid off people who you owed money to. Whether it was a salary that you had to supposed to pay to somebody. The Prophet ﷺ said, uh, Pay the person his, uh, the laborer, pay the laborer his wages before even the sweat on his forehead dries. Right? And wallahi, in the history of labor relations of mankind, I couldn't find a statement more profound than that. When it comes to the right of the laborers, the right of the workers, 
sallallahu alaihi wasallam says pay the laborer his wages before even the sweat on his forehead dries many muslims today don't pay their laborers uh, on time or they don't pay them at all or they delay them or they they don't pay them what they promised to pay them uh, or they owe people money or you have a wife and children that you that you supposed to look after but you haven't uh, you have parents that you supposed to look after there are many obligations you bought something but you didn't pay for that thing and the seller is waiting for all these things brothers and sisters in islam if we want to be prepared for death we need to make sure we sort these things out they should be the priority in our life because you don't want to die you don't want to die in a condition and you owe people money and i gave you the story of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam about a situation like that so after that imam al busairi after talking about death and being prepared for that he says man li bi raddi jimahin min ghawayatiha kama yuraddu jimah al khayl bil lujumi again he attacks the nafs he said who can help me in restraining the rebellious nafs of mine kama yuraddu jimah al khayl bil lujumi the way you uh, control a rebellious horse by the reins so when your horse is gets a bit out of control and rebellious what do you do you've got the ropes that around that go around the horse it's called the reins right in arabic it's called lijam lijam and the plural is lujum that he uses here so you you put that reins around the horse and you pull him like that and then the horse is under control imam busairi says that i need some lijams i need some reins to restrain my nafs as well but my nafs is going wild i need to pull it back with a rope so he's teaching us how to uh, fight our nafs we need to be able to pull back our nafs you know rein it in rein it in uh, with restraint and uh, there are two ways you can do this i mean we don't have a physical rope for the nafs you know the nafs is itself is not a physical thing that you can physically pull uh, with a rope but the two ropes uh, the sufis mention uh, that you can use to pull your nafs back from wanting to do whatever it wants to do which is haram usually it wants to do haram right that's where you need to stop it if the nafs just wants to eat food that's fine but if it when it wants to do haram things bad things there are two ropes you can use to pull it back like you pull back your horse the first rope is the rope of fear the rope of fear of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the fear of his punishment that you remind the nafs that if you're going to do this then expect allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment in the dunya and or the akhirah either way you're going to be punished in the dunya or you're going to be punished in the akhirah or you're going to be punished in both and many times in our life we see right sometimes uh, we do something wrong and then we see something bad happening in our lives and and you realize this is because of what i had done allah is punishing me for this now right so uh, the rope that you use against your nafs is first one is remind itself of the punishment of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout the entire holy quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about his punishment huh nazirum mubin inna azabullahi shadid throughout the holy quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about punishment which is real so to, to scare us from doing the wrong deed the second rope we can use right we need two ropes to pull the nafs is to remind it of the reward of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for those who stay away from the desire of the nafs in other words you tell the nafs that if i stay away from this haram thing 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me much, much better and much, much more in halal things in the dunya and way more better in the akhirah in Jannah. So maybe your nafs wants to commit zina, for example, uh, fornicate, and you, 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 you the, the way you're going to pull the reins of your nafs on that is, you, firstly, is the fear. You're going to remind your nafs that if you do something like this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish you in the dunya and Jahannam will wait you in the akhirah. It brings bad luck in your dunya. It's going to bring you bad luck. It's going to bring you bala in your life. And in the akhirah, there's going to be a severe punishment. That is the fear aspect. You stop your nafs like that by making it scared, which is haq. The second aspect would be you tell your nafs that if you stay away from this haram thing, Allah will bring you the halal. Allah will give you much better than that in a halal way in nikah and in marriage and in the akhirah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in jannah will give you you know from you the wives or the hurul ayn and whatever you desire Allah will give you much much more better there in the dunya and the akhirah right and that's the dua of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wa sallam allahumma akfina bi halalika an haramik right waghnina bi fadlika amman siwak wala takilla ila anfusina tarfata ayn wala aqalla min zalik this is a dua of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says Oh Allah, suffice us with your, with your halal so that we do not desire the haram. Suffice us with your halal, make us satisfied with your halal, give us enough of the halal that we don't desire your haram, what you have made haram. And make us reliant on your grace that we do not rely on anybody else after that. We just rely on Allah's grace. Allah will provide for us what we need so we don't we don't rely on on others. And wala takilla ila anfusina tarfatainin wala akalla minzalik. And do not let us follow our nafs, ya Allah, even for the blink of an eye or less than that. Oh Allah, do not leave us to the machinations of our nafs, to the tricks of our nafs, even for the blink of an eye, for a second or less than that. These are the words of the Habib sallallahu alaihi wasallam. These are not my words. I'm just teaching here what our Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has taught us. We have nothing to say but repeat what he said and try to understand it. So these are, you know, the the, the two ropes we can pull for our nafs. Imam Busari says, uh, I need ropes to pull my nafs the way I have ropes to pull my horses. So uh, then he says. فَلَا تَرُمْ بِالْمَعَاصِي كَسْرَ شَهْوَتِهَا إِنَّ الطَّعَامَ يُقَوِّي شَهْوَةَ النَّهِمِ He says, do not try to subdue your, uh, your nafs through sinning. Sometimes we feel we can subdue our nafs by doing what the nafs wants. We do the sin and say, Alhamdulillah, because I did the sin now, uh, you know, after that I, won't, I, I wouldn't want to do it again. I mean, a lot of young people, you know, they, they face this. Uh, you know, they say, well, you know, I have a desire to do this haram. I'm only going to do it once. If I do it once, khalas, you know, after that, I won't do it again. My desire will be finished. But Imam al-Busayri says, don't do that. Don't try to subdue your nafs by doing the ma'asiyah, the guna, the sin. Because indeed, food, he gives an example, food only intensifies your desire. In other words, when you, when you feed yourself, you, your desire for carnal desires, 
becomes even more. So the, what he's trying to say is that if you're going to feed your nafs, it's only going to become bigger and bigger and bigger. It's not going to stop. Because we often say to ourselves, I'm just going to do a little bit of sin. I'm just going to do that little bit of haram. Right? It's just a little bit. I'm not like doing the whole thing or whatever. Little bit. And inshallah, that will like be enough. But now when you do the little bit, you want more. The nafs wants more and more and more and more. It's nonstop. Mal Buseri says, don't do that. Okay? Don't feed it because it's only going to become fatter and fatter. Because he says the nafs, you should treat it like a baby. The nafs, you treat it like a ba the baby. The ego is like a baby, like an infant. If you neglect it, it will love to suckle on its mother's breast nonstop. Now, you have a baby. Uh, many of us, we have babies. Uh, if the baby, you just leave it as a baby, he will suckle onto his mother's breast. And he will just keep on suckling every time. He just wants the mother's breast, the baby. And uh, if you leave it like that, he will never stop. The baby will never stop. Right? Every mother, every father who has a child, we know that, right? So you need, what do you need to do? You need to wean off the baby from the mother's breast. You need to pull it off. And, and the baby will cry. When you first do that, the baby cries because he, he wants, he's used to the mother's breast. He wants that. But he cries, he cries, but you pull it off and you force it. In the beginning, it's tough because the baby cries a lot. But eventually, the baby will get used to it and stop uh, breastfeeding from the mother. Now, Imam al-Busiri uses this example, which every human being understands, uh, for the nafs. So he's saying the nafs, if you let it enjoy itself continuously the way it wants to enjoy itself, it, it will never stop. It will never stop. It will just enjoy more and do more and more and more. It's never going to stop. So what you need to do is you need to wean off the nafs from the haram. Wean it off, pull it off from uh, that breastfeeding. And uh, it will cry in the beginning. It will have withdrawal symptoms. It will feel painful in the beginning because you now you, you really want that haram thing that you are used to, that sin. But eventually, when it realizes that it's not going to get it anymore, the, the desire will die out. The desire for that haram thing will die out. So this is a beautiful example of, of how to fight the nafs. And really, this chapter, Imam Busiri's Burda, is one of the best uh, explanations ever written on the concept of the nafs and how to fight the nafs. Although the topic of the poem is the Prophet loving the Prophet but uh, this chapter is really brilliant on how to fight the nafs. Many books of Tasawwuf have not explained it the way Imam Busiri explained it here. In fact, they quote him in their books. فَصْرِفْ هَوَاهَا وَحَازِرًا تُوَلِّيَهُ إِنَّ الْهَوَا مَا تَوَلَّى يُسْمِي He says, so ignore the desires of the nafs. فَصْرِفْ Turn it away from you and beware uh, of its power. Beware of uh, letting it take over you. Beware of letting the nafs take over you because inna al-hawa ma tawalla yusmi aw yasimi that if uh, your nafs takes over you, if you let the nafs 
take over you, it will kill you and it will it will deafen you and it will kill you. So here he's giving us a very dangerous warning that the nafs is not a play, it's not a toy. If you're gonna let your nafs take over you, brother and sister, it will blind you and deafen you and it will destroy you. Many a people who are destroyed in this dunya, you know, the Firauns, the Shaddad, uh, all the bad people in the dunya, in our time, many people we see, why were they destroyed? Because they followed their nafs and they followed their nafs and they followed their nafs until their nafs took them to their destruction. Until the nafs took them to their destruction. So stop right there. Don't let the nafs become your imam to destruction, to destroying you. Because the nafs, as much as we enjoy the pleasures of the nafs, it, they, they are nice. In reality, all these pleasures of the nafs are, 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 uh, are, are you know, uh, destructional, destructive. They are all destructive. Uh, we enjoy it in the beginning. Oh, wow, it's fun. You know, it's pleasurable. It, you enjoy the nafs and its desire. But in the end, it's going to destroy you. And throughout history, we see it again and again and again. Right? Uh, people get destroyed because of following their nafs. He says in the next line, وَرَعِيهَا وَهِيَ فِي الْعَمَالِ سَائِمَةٌ وَإِنْ هِيَ اسْتَحْلَةِ الْمَرْعَى فَلَا تُسْتُسِمِي Now here he says something very important. Now he's, really, he's taking us to another level now. He says that in the beginning, uh, till now, he's been speaking about the influence of the nafs on, on making you do bad deeds, right? Don't follow the nafs in doing haram. Don't follow the nafs in doing sins, gunas, masya, zunub. Uh, don't follow the nafs in doing the evil actions. We understand that. We get that now. In the next line, the following line, he says, and as well, at the same time, beware of following your nafs. Beware of the influence of the nafs in your good deeds as well. Beware of the influence of the nafs in your good deeds as well because just like the nafs can harm it can make you uh, do the bad deeds but the nafs also influences your good deeds now that's the second trick of the shaitan first the nafs the shaitan will try to convince your nafs to do make you do bad deeds right that's the first game the plan a but now let's say alhamdulillah you fight the nafs and you don't do the bad deed you stay away from the haram things and the bad things alhamdulillah so the shaitan's plan a failed now shaitan comes with plan b the plan b of the shaitan is to get involved in your good deeds put the nafs in your good deeds how is that how is the nafs involved in my salat in my prayer in my zikr uh, in my recitation of the how does the nafs get involved in that how it gets involved in that is to create kibir and, and arrogance in your good deed. So that when you do the good deed, you start becoming arrogant about it. You start thinking of yourself as better than other people. You start uh, uh, becoming boastful of your good deeds. Oh, I made salah. I make five times salah in the masjid, brother. Uh, I make 20 rakat taraweeh in the masjid. I do this. I gave charity. I, I, I fund this masjid. I pay for the, the bills here. I So the nafs then makes you arrogant about your, your good deed until you think that you are the one doing the good deed. 
rather than understand the reality that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is giving you the tawfiq and the hidayah and the hawl and the quwa, the strength and the energy to do that good deed. Your good deed is a gift from Allah. You don't have to make salah. You get to make salah. One of the Sufis said a beautiful statement. He said, you don't have to make salah. You get to make salah. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honors you by letting you pray, letting you do his ibadah. So don't ever claim that worship for yourself. Don't think you are doing a favor to Allah by praying or worshiping. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing a favor on you by making you pray, by making you worship, by making you a believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Holy Quran, O Muhammad sallam, tell those Arabs, there were some Arabs who came into Islam and they were bragging about it. Allah says, O Muhammad sallam, tell those Arabs, don't brag about your Islam like you have done a favor to Allah. Rather, Allah has done a favor to you by making you Muslims. And he could have left you as kuffar. So don't ever be boastful or arrogant about your actions, your good deeds. Always realize that it's only from Allah. The Prophet whenever he would do a good deed, he, when he would finish any ibadah, he would say, Alhamdulillah, Allah. All thanks be to Allah who guided us to doing this. And if it was not for his guidance, we would not have been guided. This is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He attributes the good deed to Allah. So Imam Busiri says, be careful of your act, uh, be careful of the, the influence of the nafs and the ego in your good actions as well. Don't mix your good action with the nafs, otherwise your good actions will turn into dust and be useless. On the day of Tiyama, the Prophet said, some people will come, Allah will say, what did you do for me? The man will say, I was a alim. And Allah will say, well, you did that for fame. You used to give talks, but for fame. And you got the fame. So there is no reward from, from my side. Oh, what did you do for me? The man will say, I gave a lot. Of, I was a rich man. I gave a lot of sadaqah, charity, khairat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you did that for name and fame. And you got the name and fame. Everybody talked about you. There is no reward by me now. Another guy will come. Allah will say, what did you do for me? Talk. The man will say, I am a shaheed, ya Allah. I fought in jihad until I was martyred. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, you did it so that you can be called a brave man and a, and a famous man. And you got that, that fame. There is no reward by me for you. A, a reciter of the Quran will come. Allah will say, what did you do? He said, Ya Allah, I used to recite your Quran for everyone. Allah will say, you did it for name and fame. There is no reward from me. So it's very important. We don't let the nafs influence our good deeds. Our good deeds should only be for the sake of Allah. Only be for the sake of Allah. So he says, when he is tahlatil mar'a to see me, and if it enjoys the pastors too much, then restrain its roaming. If it enjoys the pastures too much, then restrain its roaming. Like a sheep. A sheep enjoys the pasture, right? He says, if it enjoys it too much, restrain it. What does he mean by this? He means that if your nafs is enjoying your ibadah too much, then restrain it. And that's a very deep point. Uh, while, yes, we, we love our ibadah, we want to enjoy it, but if your nafs is becoming too comfortable with your ibadah, then hold on to the nafs. 
because it might be that your ibadah is becoming an act of the nafs now, an act of the ego. So be, restrain your nafs and do your ibadah only for the sake of Allah. And people sometimes come to us and say, Sheikh, you know, I don't feel like praying or making my zikr because when I do that, my heart is not present. I don't enjoy it. And we look and we say to them, who told you that you have you only pray if you enjoy it? That's a desire of the nafs. I will only make salat if I'm enjoying it. No. Make salah for the sake of Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to pray. Uh, it shouldn't be because you enjoy it. It shouldn't be based on enjoyment. If you enjoy your salah, alhamdulillah, if you don't enjoy it, alhamdulillah, you do it for Allah's sake. Then he says, كَمْ حَسَّنَتْ لَزَّةً لِلْمَرْءِ قَاتِلَةً مِنْ حَيْثُ لَمْ يَدْرِ أَنَّ سُمَّ فِي الدَّسَمِ He says, how many times the nafs has beautified uh, desires and pleasures which are actually deadly. How many times that the nafs beautifies for you desires and pleasures which are actually deadly for you, but the nafs makes it looks nice. Allah says the shaitan makes your bad actions look nice to you. And then you don't realize that there was poison in the fat. So in the food, when you eat the fat, it's very tasty and nice. Like a lot of people like it. He says, but you don't realize the poison was inside of it. The poison was inside of it. So don't be fooled because the desires of the nafs are nice. The nafs makes these things look nice, but they're actually killers. Then he says, Be careful of the hidden tricks. The hidden tricks of hunger and saturation, to be full when you are saturated. Sometimes hunger is worse than being full. Sometimes hunger is worse than being full. Now he said there are two tricks of the nafs here. The nafs can either trick you when you are full and the nafs can either trick you when you are hungry. How? Uh, when you are full, of course, you know, when you eat to your full, uh, the nafs can then make you forget Allah and you go to sleep and you don't want to make salah or you want to do something haram. So uh, that is one trick of the nafs when you are full. But the other trick of the nafs can also happen when you are hungry. And the, the nafs can then make you do haram things. You complain about Allah, you want to go steal, uh, and, and you become, uh, you know, uh, ungrateful to Allah. So he says, beware of saturation and beware of hunger. Beware of both. Because there are people who say, well, you know what, I'm fighting my nafs, and I'm going to keep myself hungry. I'm not going to eat food, I'm going to be hungry. But then that also is a trick of the nafs. And Imam al-Shadili, radiallahu anhu, used to say, our way, uh, he said many Sufis, they like to drink hot water. You know, they, they, when they, they're given a glass of cold water, they prefer the normal water. They don't want the cold water. So why don't you want it? They would say, because, you know, that's a luxury of the dunya. Cold water is a luxury and we don't want to follow the nafs. The nafs wants cold water. So we don't want to follow the nafs. Imam al-Shadili, radiallahu anhu, used to say, no, that's not my way. I will take the glass of cold water if it is presented to me. And I will drink it and I will enjoy it because after that, my alhamdulillah is much more sincere. Because when I drink the cold water, then alhamdulillah that I say after that is much more sincere. My love for Allah is much more sincere. Rather than when you drink a glass of ordinary water, it's not cold on a hot day. 
and then you say alhamdulillah after that but your alhamdulillah is not sincere because like deep down you wish oh i wish it was cold imam ashadili says don't do you know don't fall fall for the tricks of the nafs drink the cold water say alhamdulillah from your heart if that water brings you closer to alhamdulillah and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to say allahumma a'udhu bika min al sharr al ghina wal faqr oh allah i seek protection from the evils of richness and the evils of poverty poverty can also destroy you sometimes people come and say sheikh i want to leave my job uh, I, I, i want to leave my business i want to dedicate myself to allah and we tell them please don't do that because if you think poverty is going to bring you closer to allah it's not going to happen maybe that poverty will make you a kafir in the end you will hate allah you will hate the deen and you will run back to the dunya and then you will never think about allah again rather keep your job maybe work less if you feel it's too much work keep your business but spend less hours maybe uh, but focus on allah at the same time balance your life between the two balance your life between the two if you don't work you're not going to have money if you don't have money how are you going to buy that book you want to read about the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam how are you going to give sadaqa to the poor how are you going to support your teachers your masjids your so uh, how are you going to go for hajj so do not desire poverty the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to say Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-ju' wa ni'ma al-dhaji'ihu I oh Allah I seek your protection from hunger and what a terrible night companion he is Oh Allah I seek your protection from hunger but what a terrible night companion he is like when you sleep hungry your 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 stomach is is rolling and making sound is terrible Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam made this dua Oh Allah protect me from hunger because it's not it's not a nice thing So this thing of fake Sufism that some people think oh you know uh, I don't want hunger I, I want hunger I don't want to work uh, I want to be poor there is no such thing in Islam like that eat mashallah and say, start with bismillah and say alhamdulillah in the end go to your job work uh, but make it halal and see it as a gift of Allah and spend in the path of Allah spend in your family that is a better way of coming closer to Allah through gratefulness and Finally uh, for tonight Imam al-Busairi says wastabrikh ad-dam'a min aynin qad imtala'at min al-muharim walzam himiyatan nadami and he said and shed tears he says shed tears cry shed tears from an eye from eyes that have been filled with haram so shed tears from eyes that have been filled with haram so your eyes which have been looking at haram things so much then the least you can do is to shed tears from those eyes shed tears cry in the love of allah cry from the fear of allah cry from regretting for what you have done in the path of allah so the prophet doesn't talks about the zina of the eyes the eyes we look at things that we shouldn't look at uh, and especially in the time and age that we live in today there is so much haram around us all around us all the time so we look at a lot of things we shouldn't look at we should make istighfar and cry shed tears from don't be shy to cry from those eyes that have looked at haram he says do that walzam himiyatan nadami and he says and always be in a state of regret for your bad actions always be in a state of remorse so we cannot stop sinning completely we are human beings and the sins are around us everywhere but always be regretful of your sins always be humble always say ya allah i am a sinner ya allah i am a gunahgar oh allah i am a i am a asi a muznib oh allah forgive me oh allah guide me 
Oh Allah, overlook my sins. Oh Allah, give me the strength to be on the straight path. Oh Allah, I regret what I have done. Always be in that state. What he says, walzam. Alzam, mulazimat in Arabic means to, 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 to do something continuously. So he says, walzam nadam. He says, hold on continuously to remorse and regret, to the state of being regretful of your bad deeds. Don't ever feel safe. Don't ever feel, oh, mashallah, I'm, you know, going to Jannah. I'm this, you know, mashallah, I'm, don't, don't, don't feel safe. Don't ever feel safe. Always be in a state of regret to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab used to sometimes look at a tree and say, I wish I was that tree. They say, why do you say that, Ya Umar, you are a great sahabi? He says, because the tree doesn't have to answer to Allah. The tree has committed no sins, but I have committed sins. So they were always in a state of, of, of regret, always in a state of tawbah. So that is what Imam al-Busari is saying. Uh, he's saying, in other words, to conclude, that fight the nafs. Don't listen to it. Fight it. Uh, don't do the bad deeds it's telling you to do because it's only going to increase. At the same time, pull it back with the ropes of fear and hope. And also, beware of the, the influence of the nafs in your good deeds. Don't let your nafs spoil your good deeds by arrogance and pride and boastfulness. And do not try to fight the nafs by doing uh, things that may actually uh, make you uh, against Allah, like hunger and poverty, and don't rush to those things. Be balanced. And most importantly, at the end of it, he says, at the end of it, this is the tenth line of this chapter. He says that always cry and always be regretful of your bad deeds. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lo loves people who are regretful of what they have done because He is the most forgiving of all people. So, inshallah. Uh, we're going to uh, stop at that. Alhamdulillah, we've covered um, 10 lines tonight from the second chapter of the Burda. And uh, tomorrow night, inshallah, same time, we'll continue with the same link. You just have to press the same link, inshallah, and we'll continue uh, with this chapter. Jazakallahu uh, khair for your attendance. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to, to give us the strength to fight our nafs uh, and overcome it and make us from his sincere servants and those who are beloved to him and protected by him bi barakati allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad al fatih lima awlaq wal khatim lima sabaq nasir al haqqi bil haqq wal hadi ila suratika al mustaqim wa ala alihi haqqa qadrihi wa miqdarihi al azim subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun salamun ala al mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh